Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Sophist, the podcast where we take you through the major news and topics facing importers and manufacturers in China and Asia today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of our podcast, the China Manufacturing Decoded podcast. And this week, we're going to talk about e-commerce because. In many ways, 2020 and 2021 have been the years of e-commerce, and they represent a growing, uh, a growing portion of 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 the goods sold. Uh, they they're moving from brick and mortar stores to <laughs> a lot to Amazon. It seems, and of course, we're going to talk about it to, today, uh, and and to um to to a bunch of other um. Other channels, and me today to discuss it is uh, Marshall Marshall Tablets, uh, who was on the show I think four or five episodes ago, uh, and we talked about the the disruptions to logistics,、uh, especially on the U.S. side, and that was actually quite a popular episode, and. Marshall used to be an Amazon seller, and yeah, doing、uh, fulfillment by Amazon and, and listing his products on Amazon, like like so so many other people. And now, and that's when he was in in、uh, in Shenzhen. Now he's、um, he's back in the U.S. He's on the East Coast, and he does fulfillment for e-commerce companies. So he's still. Very much has his finger on the pulse of, of what's going on, and I, I yeah I, I always like to, to talk to him about what's what's going on. So hi Marshall, how are you doing? How are you, Renad? Thank you for the hey, introduction、nice. and having me back on. Yeah, all right. So let's yeah let's start with trend number one、uh, is the, the the share of products sold in e-commerce has it been going up or down? <laughs> I think that's an easy one, right?、Uh, uh, it's definitely it's definitely going up.、Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting because、uh, it, and I'm not exactly sure how this happened. I thought there would be more of a shortage, you know, throughout the entire supply chain. But what I'm finding is, if you go to the stores, you know, let's say you want to go get a a, a sports jacket, and、uh, mm-hmm. you know they don't have any of the sizes. They have like one thirty six. And that's it.、Um, but if you go、mm. on Amazon or on e-commerce,、uh, even、uh, you know independent companies that don't even sell on Amazon,、uh, there's plenty、mm. of stock to buy online.、Um, I know this because、mm. my sister just got married, and I bought a a suit online、uh, because th- they didn't have any in the stores. So I think yeah, it's it's e-commerce is is、mm. growing like it always grows, but it's also growing this year because of the、uh, because of the shortages in the in the real stores. Right, so you're saying that it is in stock in the U.S., but maybe only in one or two warehouses in the U.S. somewhere. But you still can get it within two, three, four, five days, right? So rather than being everywhere in every store, every you know one of the I don't know two hundred different stores of the same of the same brand,、uh, which arguably is of course、uh, more of a challenge, right? To keep it stocked across so many、uh, so many stores, 
So yeah, um, and I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, I needed to buy a, a pair of headphones, a specific type, uh, and I went, you know, to Best Buy's website, and they had none in the entire country. You know, but if you go on Amazon or if you go on, uh, you know, Newegg or any of the online sites, you know, there, there's plenty of stock. And even for the uh, brand name things, that you know, if Amazon, for example, goes out of stock, it's like back in stock in a few days. So, you know, something's definitely working hmm. on e-commerce specific channels that is broken still in the in the off channel you know in the in the stores and brick and mortar and uh Mm. you know it's not something i was expecting actually i was expecting more of uh, across the board shortages but that's not what we're seeing correct yeah that that that's um interesting yeah and it's not something that you buy for delivery like two weeks or three weeks later you know fulfilled uh, drop shipped from 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 china or wherever right it's It's available in a few days. Absolutely, yeah. I'm talking about available like usual, just maybe a few day uh, delay on the uh, shipping just due to the, the general shipping slowdown. Um, but I also heard that you know Black Friday and, and uh, Cyber Monday were, were you know, less, uh, was it less revenue? I, I forget exactly, but it was down from you know, the all-time highs of, of the previous years. And so you know, that's kind of interesting. But again, I think it just goes back to to the stock levels, you know, if more stock was available, it, it, you know, the numbers would be right. higher. I would guess so. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think Americans are uh, getting tired of um, of these kinds of monsters of, you know, let's buy a lot in in one day, and and who cares <laughs> about the supply chain behind it? It's, it's really monsters. Really. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, uh, think about toy suppliers, you know. Most of the um, most of the sales done in one month in in right. for the whole year. I mean that's just uh, that's that, that's crazy. Okay, so yeah, so we're talking about trend number one, growth, and we can see that a lot of the traditionally brick and mortar stores are maybe not advertising, but they make it very clear that you can also buy on their website, right? So they make it easy to. Uh, for you to go on their website and maybe to pick up in their store or they're trying to do something um, a little bit smart here, but they are are trying to make it easier to buy online, right? So uh, obviously the the share of e-commerce is is, is not going to go down. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, Like for example, uh, Kohl's here, which is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's basically... um, a department store. It's much smaller than a Macy's, um, but uh, mm. you know it's it's got a lot of clothes. It's got uh, you know home furnishings, uh, shoes for the kids. You know it's 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 a good place and it's pretty inexpensive overall. Um, they uh, they have a, a huge online to store program. Uh, uh, you know, for example, when my mom wants to buy my my kids or her grandkids uh, clothes, she orders them online and then I go pick them up you know, at the uh, Kohl's by me. So she actually says, I want to order it to this Kohl's. Um, They've also teamed up with Amazon to be an Amazon drop-off center. So if you need to return something to Amazon, you can bring it to any Kohl's. So now they got you in the door, you know, and the chances of you not buying something are are pretty slim. Uh, So this, you know, this leveraging of your brick and mortar to bring in more e-commerce and to, you know, expand uh, with partnerships is definitely a trend. Um, you know, the, the less think, inventory uh, and the hybrid. less they can have, yeah. you know, in the stores, the, the, the better for them. Right. So right, yeah, it's right, 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 right. playing out, but a lot of the retailers, you know, you don't see it. Um, 
you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen any of the other department stores, uh, you know, bringing it to that level yet. Um, but like in Best Buy, for example, you know, they, they don't have a lot in stock, you know, they just have one model mm-hmm. to show you and then, mm. you know, order it online for your for delivery. <laughs> it's a showroom. It's just a showroom. Or a showroom, right. Um, yeah, right. so yeah, you know, all different retailers are handling it differently, but, but for those that already have that brick and mortar presence, uh, they're trying to grow it. And then other companies like Amazon are, are starting brick and mortar. Right, they're opening their, uh, you know, was it pay and go or whatever the, the the quick uh, downtown, yeah. you know, Seven Eleven type markets are, uh, where mm-hmm. they you can get you know food quickly and you don't need to even uh, you know uh, check out, you just walk out. So right. you know, there's, there's all these different hybrids of of online and and you know brick and mortar that are happening now. Mm, right, all right, and uh, yeah, just to close on this trend number one, obviously when people are staying home because there was a lockdown or, or whatever, uh, they, they, or maybe they were afraid of going to uh, public places. Well, was, everybody kind of had to pull the, the credit card and, and start ordering certain things online, right? So people started to, to take the habit, I would guess. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that only makes sense. Trend number two is Amazon is, you know, by far the, the main channel for companies to to sell their products online now there's 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 a word that i've been reading a lot about you know in, in the past i don't know six to 12 months is trying to go on the channel and, and uh, yeah probably more like two or three years probably but I, I keep seeing it people try to diversify instead of just having their account in amazon uh which who knows might get closed might you know, so whatever might happen, uh, it's not their platform, right? So they, they, they're just renting it somewhere where they, they, they have very little control. They can be kicked out anytime. So they want to diversify. They want to um, maybe have their own website on, uh, on, on Shopify or on WooCommerce or something of the sort. They, um, they, they, they try to, um, to find their own customers, maybe doing some Facebook or Instagram advertising for B2B products, B2C products, sorry, typically, and so on and so forth. Maybe trying to sell a little bit on eBay. So do, do, do you see a lot of e-commerce sellers trying to do that? I think everybody, not everybody, but a lot of sellers have been trying to do that. And, you know, uh, you've heard multi-channel, omni-channel, there's all these different mm. terms, but at the end of the day, it just means not being dependent on just Amazon. I think that it's uh, it's been a little underwhelming, the success that people have had uh, off Amazon. I know uh, between uh, myself and my my friends, you know, in general, what I'm seeing in our customers at Ship It Done, uh, what, what we're seeing is just the Amazon, let's say they're selling 100 a day on Amazon, you know, maybe they're selling... Mm six a day on everything else combined. And I, and mm. I think it's at the end of the day, Amazon is a search engine, you know, for people who are ready to buy, just like Google True. is a search engine mm-hmm. for people who are looking for information. And, you know, nothing can replace that, you know, right. that, so that powerful. Intent, it's so powerful, it's so powerful yeah. the ability just to bring buyers to you that are mm. already in the buy status, right? Uh, ready yeah. to buy. So like, you know, when you're doing Google AdWords, you know, it's hard to find out what are the words where they're just researching and what are the words that they're, you know, ready to buy. But Amazon, it's all ready to buy. So so from that perspective, it's much less efficient to advertise on Google and advertise on Facebook and things like that because mm-hmm. you're 
I don't want to say shooting in the wind, but you're building an audience and then shooting messages to them. But it's not like everyone's in that same ready to buy status that they went to Amazon and just searched for it. So it's it's harder than most people thought to to do this. But nonetheless, you know, if you're in it for the long term, uh, a growing Shopify site, for example, is really an asset that your company can can build. And mm. um, you know, we've seen uh, a few of our customers that started on Shopify and now also sell on Amazon. And uh, we've seen a, a few that uh, only sell on Shopify, but they've been doing it for like five or six years and they've built up, mm-hmm. you know, a presence. So I guess it's like anything else. You just have to invest in it um, and and do it over time. But, you know, it's really important to to not just be too dependent on Amazon, even though it's so easy to be mm-hmm. because, you know, they're they're charging more and more. They're competing, you know, with their own sellers. They're, yes. you know, it's a very we'll ugly situation yes. there. <laughs> Right. Oh, it is. Yes. Uh, and and just to make sure, I've never sold anything on, on Amazon or anything like that, you know, but um, when you sell something fulfilled by Amazon or maybe sold on Amazon, but but you fulfill yourself, do you get the email address of, of, of the customers? Can you keep, you know, doing a little bit of a newsletter and you know, keep them aware maybe of your next version of your product or some complementary products and things like that? So this or is, is it like you have nothing? That This is the issue when, when you have your own site, like a Shopify site, and I don't mean to push mm-hmm. Shopify, but I mean, I've used it. It mm-hmm. works. It's, you know, it's, it's the one, mm-hmm. it's probably the best platform now that I know, yeah. um, but I don't, I have no relationship with them. I mean, it's just, it's just mm-hmm. what I say. Um, but uh but yeah, I mean, when you have a Shopify site, you you get the customer's full information. You know, they they signed up for your newsletter, and and now you know you right. can keep in touch with them and and all these things. You can even go into Facebook and build a like look like audience. You know, based on your mm. email list. But with Amazon, mm. it's very clear that they're Amazon's customers, not yours. So if you're doing FBA, which is when Amazon fulfills, mm. you don't get anything because mm. they, you don't need it, um, and and an email address, it has to, all, all emails have to go through their system and they don't give you the customer's email address. They only give you mm-hmm. like a, like a proxy, you know, random email address that then forwards mm-hmm. to the customer. So, mm-hmm. you know, you really do own nothing. Um, and even with FBM, uh, where you fulfill uh, through, through your own methods, uh, uh, fulfilled by merchant, you still mm-hmm. get a very little bit of information. I mean, you get the address because you need it, but there's uh, all sorts of verbiage, you know, not to use it for anything else. And, uh, and, and, you know, you don't get the email and you don't get the phone number. So you're really left with mm. nothing other than the sale. It's, so it's, mm. it's a much more transactional right. relationship than if you can build up a database of your own customers over time. Right, 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 right. And fulfilled by merchant FBM, I guess, is a lot of what you do in, uh, in Ship It Done. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, we're. I mean, we do prep for a- FBA, so we will. Okay. Uh, yeah. But and also FBM. So you know, we, we don't. We're agnostic. Um, a lot of our customers bounce between the two, depending on yeah. the supply chain as well. So you know, a lot of our customers would like to be in stock with FBA all the time. But uh, for example, now it's close to Christmas. We have a few customers that are selling Christmas specific things. They happen to mm-hmm. be selling very well on FBM. You know, maybe they'll sell even better on FBA, but they're going to run out of stock regardless. And so why pay mm. for it to go into FBA and why pay for all the extra, you know, charges? Mm. Uh, they're just getting, you know, they're just running it with us through FBM. 
Um, so I'm, you know, yeah, that I'm asking that because, yeah, that because it's related to, to the next point about actually Amazon trying to collect more margin, you know. So you, you say that some customers bounce between fulfilling themselves. So meaning that instead of getting every, everything sent to the fulfillment center of Amazon and then Amazon taking a bigger cut of, of the, the amount of the, of the sale, but then, you know, keeping in, in, in inventory and doing the shipment and things like that, they, uh, they might want to work with a company like yours, or maybe they do it themselves in the garage, right? <laughs> but let's say they, they have to take care of, of the warehousing and the shipment and, and all these things. So as a general rule of thumb, you know, wh- which one is cheaper or what, what actually makes one more interesting than the other? Well, I think Amazon's done a good job of, of covering up the overall costs. So like, for example, if you're selling something for $100, they'll charge you uh, 15%, which is their fee that they get, regardless of whether you're selling FBM and FBA yes. or FBA. So, you know, take the 15% off the top, uh, regardless. But, mm-hmm. you know, then they give you this one cost for fulfillment fees, regardless of where it is in the country. So, you know, let's say they say it's uh, $8 to, to ship it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody like us, Ship It Done or any other warehouse, it, it, may be, uh, it may be a little more expensive because you have to cover the actual shipping costs. But what you're mm-hmm. saving is one, the cost of sending the product into, in, into Amazon. Two, the exorbitant mm-hmm. storage costs, especially during the, the October, November, and December. And also, mm-hmm. if you have any returns... Amazon charges you the same outgoing fulfillment fee as they, uh, you know, as they charge you for the outgoing. So the inbound is the same price as the outgoing, which is, you know, really, really expensive for a return. (laughs) (laughs) They just consider it the same. So, you know, when you look at it as a total, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that it's cheaper uh, through, you know, a separate warehouse. Um, But Mm. again, you can't deny that FBA sells better, you know, uh, Amazon users like the prime label. So, you know, we get uh, oh, a, I see. Lot yes. a lot of customers that are starting off small and, you know, they'll, they'll just put their stuff into FBA, but then they start having limits of how much mm-hmm. they can put that they hit and they got another shipment from China coming and they kind of need somewhere to put it uh, until mm-hmm. their storage limits go down uh, or storage limits, uh, you know, are, are, are able to send it more. So in this case, the, they're kind of stuck. So they, they put it with us. Uh, or somebody like us to stage it, you know, uh, uh, for Amazon. And, and so Amazon's storage limits are weird now. It's a, uh, it's a total account storage limit. So you may have a new product that you want to introduce, oh. but you don't have oh, yes. storage available because something you already sent in is, you know, is not selling that well. So now what do you do? Right. You, you may as well put it on as FBM and get it going. Right. And there's no need right. to, if you can't send it into Amazon to sell an FBA, you know, why just let it sit there in the, in the storage? So people are tiptoeing into FBM for various reasons, and that's one of them. Right. Um, you know, so it really depends on the customer. A lot of customers also, like, um, we have some customers that are selling some really nice, expensive things, you know, that cost like 100 to $200. And, uh, you know, they just like that the product is able to be accessed. You know, they don't want it in Amazon. They don't trust Amazon with these things. They, they only sell FBM so that, you know, if there's any issue, we can immediately address it with the stock in our warehouse. Uh, so that's yes. another reason why uh, some people may, be, may like uh, FBM. Right, right, right. So that's interesting because one might think, you know, Amazon is, well, I mean, 
the DNA is to be a retailer. And, you know, it's all about being ruthlessly efficient, right? And they, they have such a depth of expertise, but also such a, um, a width of capabilities uh, that they've got to be much more efficient than, you know, people uh, managing little warehouses here and there and, and, and doing this and doing that and so on. So what you just what you just described tells me they're making a killing now on <laughs> um, on, on FBA, right? They, they really they, are, they, and, they, they, and they just raised their uh, their prices again. You know, and 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 there is inflation, and things are getting more expensive. But it's like, you know, they're really uh, they're really pushing it. I mean, they're up to like thirty something percent now of of the average revenue that they're taking in one form or another. Uh, which is up from 21% yeah. something I read, you know, a few months ago. So it's, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's wow. And that from a company that always get a, investors excited, never turned a profit, always reinvested everything. And, uh, and yeah, as a, as a result, never really paid tax. And now is starting to become more of a cash cow, right? But at the same time, of course, investing very heavily in, in, uh, in some other um, some other aspects of their business that, that they want to develop, but now it yeah, what you you're telling me really screams that hey, Amazon sees e-commerce as yeah more of a cash cow now at least in the US. Okay, they're also extending their capabilities, right? So we, we uh, I guess you read about that also. They uh, they have a fleet of of planes now that is starting to uh, to. It's not as big as as uh, as UPS or FedEx, but give them another five years or ten years, it might be bigger. They they have warehouses, of course, everywhere. Uh, they they, you know, who knows? Maybe they will operate a few uh, a few container ships, uh, or maybe they already started. I mean, they they really extended their their capabilities, right? And they have all these um, independent workers in the US uh, delivering to the the last mile with. Um, with their little trucks, right? So they're becoming an another UPS. Or I mean, is that what's happening? I would say that it's they're even more than a UPS because it's it's this entire logistics presence specifically for their company, and and then that right. becomes a competitive advantage itself. So oh, yeah. I mean, a few years ago, uh, they Amazon already started shipping from China uh, for Chinese sellers. I think it's like the Dragon program or something. I forget exactly, but uh, but yeah, I mean um, they've been shipping uh, container ships uh, specifically for Amazon sellers right into the warehouses already for for a couple of years. Um, yeah. and, and domestically, they've already bought uh, domestically in the U.S. They've already bought uh, you know lots of planes and 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 mm-hmm. you know their own uh, last mile delivery systems. Exactly like you said. Um, but what I read the other day is that uh, now Amazon is actually buying uh, uh, container vessels and, and not even just container mm. vessels, but you know, uh, regular vessels that, that can transport goods. And they're mm. setting up their own you know, intercontinental shipping route. So not only are they a UPS, but they're also a Maersk <laughs> for themselves. So I, I think this is kind of, um, I don't want to say dangerous, but it's certainly uh, uh, stepping up the game in terms of now all the smaller sellers mm. You either have to pay these crazy, you know, uh, shipping rates that are going on right now, if you can even get your product on a container. Uh, mm-hmm. But Amazon is sailing, you know, on their own ships 
And I don't know, maybe it's just a matter of time before, you know, you have to pay Amazon to get it across the pond in order to get it into an Amazon warehouse. Who knows? But, uh, but yeah, if you remember last on our last episode, we did, um, we started talking about how some companies were refurbishing, you know, uh, Mm. ships to start moving product on their own. But it seems Mm -hmm. like Amazon is starting to institutionalize this. Mm. Wow. Yeah. To the point so of, I wonder, you know, if when the uh, market comes back into some sort of equilibrium in the shipping world, you know, it mm. seems like Amazon has identified that this is a, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a, 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 a weak spot in their chain. And it seems like they're looking to fix this permanently on, on their own behalf. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to, to, to another one. Uh, <laughs> A major trend that um, yeah, on our side, even we have noticed, you see, a number of uh, of our clients uh, have been looking for some kind of claim that their products are eco-friendly, right? So they say, oh, can we get something? Maybe the enclosure in plastic is recycled. Uh, maybe some of the, you know, it's a a, um, a bioplastic or, or, or whatever, right? So maybe the packaging, very often it ends up being just the packaging. Hey, the packaging is cool and it is reusable. It's kind of its own little bag that you can reuse so you don't throw it away. Or, hey, there's no more plastic, you know, these kinds of things. I, I guess you, you've, you've seen that, right? Uh, oh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a way for them, I guess, to, to show some kind of differentiation in the, in the listings just because there's too many listings? <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard because uh, obviously everyone wants to be eco-friendly. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when with Amazon, it's really about the keyword relevance, right? So if somebody types in, you know, that they want a, a ruler, you know, and, and a, a, an eco-friendly ruler is more expensive. Over time, that, uh, that listing is going to get lower and lower in the search engines for the simple mm-hmm. reason that it converts you know, lower. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. it's not that people don't want the eco-friendly, so they're not buying it. It's just, it's just more expensive. So they're not buying it. Um, mm. So it's unfortunately a, a negative, you know, feedback loop where the cheapest kind of rises to the top. Um, so, you know, until we get people who are, who are actually searching for these things, like searching for eco-friendly ruler, you know, or something like that, <laughs> uh, then, um, you know, I'm afraid it's just, you know, it's just a good try. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't have a niche. I mean, just because you're not the number one ruler seller doesn't mean you don't sell a lot of rulers, you know, even if you're on the end of second page. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discourage somebody for, uh, you know, to, to try to make their product eco-friendly if it really makes sense and people are looking for an eco-friendly version of that product. Um, but, uh, but if it's just taking a regular product and spending more for recycled plastic, I'm not saying it's not good for the environment, but I don't think it's that great you know, for business on Amazon. Well, actually, I mean, if, if they use regrinded plastic, you know, or maybe 50% regrinded, 50% margin, it should be cheaper, actually. Uh, and yeah, in a lot of cases, they, they're trying to find something that doesn't increase the cost, but then they still want the same physical properties and things like that. And they don't want to pay for the, for, for testing the performance and durability and so on, which is an added cost. So, you know, you, you go around and around and, and what I would say is if you want to make a ruler that's eco-friendly, first don't have it made in China. No, I mean, people are also, you know, uh, refurbishing names of things. So like uh, years ago when I was selling on Amazon, I mean, if we wanted 
if the product had plastic, you know, it was cheaper for recycled plastic. It wasn't as clear. It wasn't, you know, who knows what it's from. Um, and, but, uh, you know, if you wanted new plastic, it costs more. So I wonder if people are just saying like, oh, recycled plastic and then, which is actually worse and then spinning it as something positive, you know, because the word recycled. There might be some, yeah, yeah, right, right. But uh, yeah, the, the real trend here is, I guess, too many listings and people need to, to differentiate themselves. So, and I guess we'll see more people actually developing their own version of a successful product, a little bit different by following what the comment commenters said, you know, complained about or maybe suggested and, and trying to, um, to, to find their own little niche in, uh, in, in these big listings, right? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And, and also, if you're off Amazon, and, and if you've, you know, managed to uh, have a target market that does care, you know, specifically about these eco friendly uh, products, you know, you, you can as you're selling on Shopify and collect mm-hmm. these emails and send, you know, mm-hmm. all sorts of information and keep people interested in your new products. So there's a lot you can do. Yeah. There's a lot you yeah. can do, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, reading the comments on, on, or the reviews on the different uh, listings and seeing, you know, if you can modify the product to, to be more suitable uh, for mm-hmm. what people are complaining about. I mean, these are all, these are all great things, you know, to, to do. Uh, right, right, right. General. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Another one is more of a, you know, maybe a little bit tongue in cheek. I don't know. Uh, but I w- for example, I go on the Apple web- website and then they say, oh, uh, just pull out your iPhone and look at this and you will see it in augmented reality. You know, and you, you can, you will see it. You will have maybe a better idea about what it's like. Have you seen a lot of use of augmented reality on e-commerce websites? Because it's, uh, it might be a way, uh, you know, of, of um, just, yeah make it making it more real because that that's the weakness of e-commerce you know some products you see a photo of it but maybe it doesn't look as appealing as actually seeing it and maybe holding it in your hand in the store right right so the uh so i would say that in general you know this is not really happening that much but there are mm-hmm. some uh retailers uh like for example um uh, I don't want to say a specific name because I don't know. I'll say a few, but it's one of these, it's, whether it's Home Depot or Lowe's or, you know, some furniture store that, that I've bought furniture in, uh, or maybe it was Ikea. But but the point is, is that um, you can pick uh, an item uh, from their store and then, you, you know, uh, you take a picture of your room and then it puts the table, for example, in your living room and it yeah, actually, right. you know, it does do the dimensions. <laughs> So that, you know, it detects what the dimensions of the room are. And then it, it does proportionally say, yeah, this is how it's going to look. Um, yeah. and, uh, might, be, might be Ikea. Yeah, I, I saw Ikea was doing something like that. Maybe yeah. even with their catalog, you have their catalog and then you, I don't know exactly how it works, but yeah. Actually, yeah. you know what? I'm just realizing it, it, the, it was the Amazon app that I used. But I know that these uh, Ikeas and some of these other retailers are doing it. So I mean, I'll be the first person, you know, who would love to virtually try on, you know, clothes and see how they look on me. And, mm. uh, you know, that would definitely increase the the rate of conversion, you know, that, that if I'm on the fence about buying. Um, but yeah, so far, I've seen it mainly for furniture. Mm. Yeah, and it, it works. It's a bit, it's a bit uh, kludgy. I mean, you got to play with it a little bit, but it's mm. good. I mean, if you want to. Mm you want to really see what that living room is going to look like in front of your couch and between your TV, it, it does it. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Let, let's go into the, 
the last two uh, big trends that, that we, we were thinking of. One, and you mentioned it a little bit, is that Amazon is starting to compete with its sellers. Actually, it started a while ago. So you see this Amazon Basics. And actually, it's, it's been kind of proven, right, in, in a hearing in, I don't know, in Senate or in the Congress or somewhere, uh, and with, with documents that, that uh, leaked in the press, that they did use the data of their third-party sellers to see what was selling well. And, uh, and they used that to decide what products they would launch themselves, which, right. which is incredibly unethical. I mean, it's not like other stores don't do that, but you would think a company the size of Amazon you know, would really try to, you know, take good care of their third-party sellers. <laughs> it, it, this is yeah, they're this really is in it for yeah, they're really in it for themselves. I mean, that's for sure. Um, you know, if, if yeah, uh, it's 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 so bad that you know they they stand in front of Congress practically and say, well, we have a policy that you know that uh, our 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 own merchants aren't allowed to look at the three you know the third-party sellers' data. Mm-hmm. We can't guarantee that that policy has always been followed, but we have that policy. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, it, it, they, they legitimize it by saying, you know, well, officially the policy is this. So there must be just a bad apple, you know, who did it. Right, right. So, sure. So they, they hide behind that. Um, but look, in India, it, you know, it's illegal uh, to be the platform and the seller. I mean, they've explicitly mm. outlawed that. And I think you have to. I mean, you know, how can it be that Amazon, mm. Amazon basics, but they create all these other brands in all these different categories. Um, right. And so you don't even know it's Amazon. I mean, it's bad enough if you mm-hmm. go in just the Amazon basic and it's like, oh, that's the Amazon one. And here are all the others. But it's not even like that. It's like, here's the Amazon mm-hmm. basic. Here's the other brand that you don't know is Amazon. And here's the other mm-hmm. brand that you don't know is Amazon. And they're all in the top five. You, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just it's just silly. Yeah, that that's wow. Yeah, that's bad. Okay, <laughs> so that's why even though it's so hard to build something off Amazon, and you know it it takes so much time, and you know, you're only going to get a, a fraction of the sales, but you kind of have to try. I mean, if you're in it for the long run, you you have to do it, right? If if you're yeah. just shooting products on Amazon and that's your game, and you know when it stops working, you'll stop doing it. That's okay, you know, no problem. But if you really are trying to build a brand, I mean. You know they're very aggressive, and even Bezos always said, "Your your your profit is my opportunity." Yeah, right. It's <laughs> yeah. Pretty clear. <laughs> it's pretty clear, right? Or he said his margin. Your your margin is my opportunity. I mean that that you know it's clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then the last one I wanted to cover is that over time, yeah, compliance is sort of catching up with some of these the the, the e-commerce sellers. Well, in 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 the EU. Uh, there have been a, a few changes in you know in the past one or two years. The economic operators, such as the, the people who the companies that operate warehouses that deliver the packages and so on, have become liable in case of unsafe products. So that's a good step in the right direction. When it comes to um, uh, drop shipping, also well, it's, it's a form of e-commerce, right? So. The sellers actually have to pre-register and, and make sure that they pay VAT. So they, they kind of close the loophole here. And then just, I think it was last week or 10 days ago, there's this big e-commerce platform called Wish 
that run into trouble in France because they, um, the market surveillance authorities or the customs, I forgot, just um, tested, you know, uh, reviewed and tested a bunch of their products that were found, you know, totally non-compliant and, and in some cases downright unsafe. And they forced them out of the, the, the Play Store and the App, App Store and, and even out of, you know, Google and so on. As, as, as a good warning, right? Because the company was not reacting, just didn't care, didn't do anything about that. So um, do you see these this, this kinds of things also in, in the US? I know that Amazon's been adding some extra requirements in some um, some some categories and they banned some products, like the, the infamous, what is it called? The um, uh, This sort of skateboards, um, with batteries, oh, yeah. um, the ones that were lighting up overboards. Fire. Yeah. Yeah. The overboards, yeah, right. They, 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 they banned some, some products like this. I mean, they've been doing certain things, but, um, do you see a lot of movement in, in, in that direction? So I think that the U S is a little more, uh, live and let live. It doesn't mean it's not illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, California really is the state that has the most mm-hmm. detail, of the, uh, you know, of the environmental laws and the requirements for products and things like that. And so, you know, uh, people are supposed to make it to California standards, but, you know, as you know, in, in the QA industry, uh, QC industry is, you know, a lot of the sellers are new to the industry. You know, oh, yeah. they, don't, they don't know what all the requirements are. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they think also, since they're small, you know, it's not affordable to do all those compliance measures and <laughs> They'll do it when, when they're larger, you know. Right. And uh, so far, that's basically worked um, for them. I mean, mm. you know, there hasn't been any major crackdowns that I know. Amazon keeps mm. tightening the screws, uh, but uh, in mm. terms of what you need to do to get listed, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's like uh, the EU, you know, where they've where they've at the government level, you know, cracked down on this yet. Right. 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 Well, that might be something coming later but you're right the u.s has always been a bit more relaxed than 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 the eu yeah in many cases when it comes to compliance the eu takes stronger steps and then the the u.s in their own way might follow uh, you know or, or might yeah well it's, and also because of each of our states yeah. you know operates independently in these things right. so you know for it to get to the federal government level to crack down on yeah. it it's yeah. like yeah you know yeah. it would have to be something really really bad that's going on right all right yeah it's a very different philosophy and different situation yeah all right well that's cool that's that's uh that that, that was a nice uh nice episode Nice to um, <laughs> to cover the, the, the latest trends. Uh, so if I just recap, um, obviously a, a lot of growth in the in the, the past two years. Uh, the sellers have been trying to diversify away from Amazon. Amazon's been collecting more and more margin and extending their capabilities, and they're trying to. They're also actively competing against their sellers. <laughs> a lot of nice stuff. They, it's come to a point where there's so much offer in a lot of product categories that really sellers are looking for, for a way to differentiate a little bit, maybe with eco-friendly, uh, some kind of claim about eco-friendly, eco-friendliness 
or uh, really developing their, their own new products that are different from anything currently on the market, maybe with a different feature or targeting a slightly different uh, niche. Compliance, we just discussed. Uh, there have been some moves in the EU, maybe not much in the US, but yes, platforms like Amazon have been adding some, uh, some requirements to, let's say, the, the high-risk categories. And then finally, uh, uh, a lot of brands have been toying a bit, experimenting with augmented reality. And in some cases, it does bring a better experience and there's certainly a little bit of a play factor. So um, we'll certainly see much more of that. Uh, well, uh, thanks a lot, Marshall. For the listeners, yeah, if you want to get in touch with Marshall, you simply go to shipitdone.com, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate you having me on again and uh, enjoyed the episode. So yeah, our warehouse is Ship It Done. So just www.ship, S-H-I-P, it, I-T, done, D-O-N-E, dot com, ship it done. Yeah, cool. All right. Thanks a lot, Marshall. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophies Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.